I am those that are around me. I am for more people than just me. And I will build something that will impact millions. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I'm your host, Rick Jordan. And today we're going to talk about some things that are going to hit you hard, especially if you have started a business, if you're thinking about starting a business, or if you just have this idea that's in the back of your head that you're like, what if I could? Where could this take me in life? That's what we're going to talk today about. So what you want to do is you want to share this out with three people. That's right, because we don't take promotions, we don't do sponsorships, we don't do any of that. And the only way that on All In that we can help more people is if you share this out. So please, right now, I'm asking for your help. Share this out with three people. We need to help more. The way that we help more is with your help. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so here's what was shaking this past weekend. I was at a fall festival and Last year, th this is a huge fall festival, by the way. It's in Frankfurt, Illinois, and there's several million people that typically pass through this festival every single year. It was a little bit different this year because it was about half, meaning like one million people. But still, a lot of people, right, in this in this town, in this suburb outside of Chicago where I live. And two years ago was the first year that my cousin actually had a booth there because they have these amazing artisan booths where you can buy some crafts, but there's gourmet food items. And the food item that they have is Gindo's Spice of Life. By the way, it's the best freaking hot sauce that you could ever imagine. They started this in California a few years back, and we're going to talk about that. They started this business in California a few years back, Chris Gindo, who my cousin married, and my cousin Mary married. Yeah, I just realized that as I was saying it. So they started this business and they were putting their sauce in distribution and getting them onto shelves before they move back to the Chicago area where they all grew up because their dad, my uncle, was just struggling with esophageal cancer and he passed away a few years ago. But they, they were starting this thing out in California and they got into a lot of restaurants on the shelves of a lot of grocery stores because it, it's such an artisan product. Guys, it's amazing. And this is a little bit of a shout out. You're going to want to check this out. Gindo's Spice of Life because it's incredible. All the peppers are roasted. I mean, the, the, Chris even goes out and grabs these peppers, like hand picks them from field still, I think. It's just incredible and amazing. So two years ago, they were at the Fall Fest because I, I told them, like, this is one fest you need to hit. So for these artisan products, if you don't know, there's a lot of hustle that goes into this. You have to go to these local events. You have to get it out there. It's like word on the street kind of stuff because what does it matter if you, you know, if you don't have like big time marketing dollars or something like that, if you see a new energy drink, right? Like a, a friend of mine, Kevin Harrington, the original shark from Shark Tank, he has a, a He's been on the board of Celsius Energy for the longest time. It was a new energy drink a few years back. And, you know, it's like an $8 billion public company now. But there was a lot of startup dollars that were put into it to fund marketing efforts to get the word out that this thing existed. So you would see it in stores and you'd actually be aware of it already because of the commercials, because of the social media ads, all of that. My cousin started with none of this. 
This is like a typical, you know, entrepreneur going to rock this world because I have this idea or this product and I need to get it out there. So with these types of products, you have to do what you need to do. It's the hustle. It's the street work. You, for, for them, it's going to these types of events and festivals, farmers markets, that kind of thing to get this sauce out there. And then in California, they were able to negotiate deals with restaurants after the chefs tried it because it was just incredible and amazing. It's it's a lot of hustle. It is. And I walked up, I was filming some content there doing some of my social and I, I saw Chris there, but without Mary, because Mary, my cousin has not been feeling so well. She actually had a certain type of cancer come up too. And she's, uh, she's doing better now from what I understand. But I saw him there and last year, this festival didn't happen because of COVID hit their business hard, right? Because there were no freaking events. There were no festivals. There, there were no farmers markets to take this, their sauce to this amazing, delicious hot sauce. Their entire distribution and revenue stream was like cut off because of COVID last year. And in order to pivot on that, they really started pushing their online sales. And what he was telling me was just absolutely incredible. And I've heard stories like this that... People have shifted, and same with Reach Out, with with the managed service provider, with my MSP, with my cybersecurity firm. We made some hard shifts a few months before the pandemic hit last year, and end up straight up doubling our revenue last year. And Chris, with Gindo Spice of Life, they were up eight percent, eight freaking percent. They still made more money than the year before. That I realize it's a single digit game, but that's freaking amazing for this year coming out of this craziness that we've had, especially when their entire revenue stream depended on these festivals and these farmers markets and trying to get restaurant deals and their sauces into restaurants. What got hit the hardest, right? There were no freaking events, no live events, no farmers markets last year, and restaurants were shut down for the majority of the year too. That could have wiped them out, but because they were able to completely focus and shift things online and start do, God, it was awesome because they started doing all these lives on social in uh, Gindo Spice of Life on that page and getting people involved and building a community and building this cult-like following, which kept buying their sauces. They kept putting themselves just like physically putting themselves in front of people, in front of customers going to these farmers markets and live events and festivals. They were now using social to put themselves in front of their customers and buyers day in and day out. It was pretty awesome. I mean, they were doing things like cheersing and all this stuff. But what I really, really want to talk about today, because I'm giving you a glimpse in my story from my cousin's company on what it actually takes to build a freaking business. And I know what it takes to build a freaking business. It's those long hours. It's that hustle. It's that figuring things out. It's that hitting a wall and not accepting that that wall's going to stay there because you have to fucking bust through the wall to see what's on the other side. This is the straight truth. If you're going to start a business, no one can possibly understand the responsibility and the weight that I carry, that anybody else carries, that Chris carries, that my cousin carries, if you're not in that position to where you have to be the one to face the wall and be like, I got to figure out a way around this, or I got to figure out a way to go through this. Now that I've torn everybody down, right, that's thinking about it's like, oh man, Ooh, Rick's really on fire today, but you know what? This is what it takes. 
Because there's, a, there's two different types of businesses that I'm going to talk about today. One is a lifestyle business. And I'll explain what this means in a sec. And two is what I just call something bigger than yourself. Both of them are right. I want to start this out with this. Both of them are right. It just depends on what you want to do. Now, in my industry, because I'm going to speak a lot to my industry here, I was talking about this last night I was, as I was writing my keynotes for the Kaseya Connect IT event this year in October in Vegas. I was writing my keynotes around this because it's scale or sell. And as I was writing this, this talk with one of my coaches, he's like, man, I love it when you get passionate because it just pours out of you and you can really tell that you care for these people that are in your industry. I'm like, well, yeah, I do because I'm literally one of them. I was the dude that was not like Chris Gindo and my cousin Mary, who was at the events and festivals, but the equivalent to that was I was the guy that was crawling under the desks, getting dirty, going into server closets and scratching my arms, ripping my arms open on, on server chassis and, and plugging in switches and, and going in there and having to sit with people and, and teach them, hey, don't click on this or you shouldn't be watching porn at the office. You know, that, that, that was me. That's the equivalence of that hustle, being on vacation, but never really being on vacation because you always have to stay connected because when you're the guy, you're the girl, you're the one that has to answer the freaking phone. That's the hustle. And I always knew, I always knew that there was something more. Because in my industry, and this is typical with most small businesses, in my industry and most small businesses, and this is data straight from the SBA, the Small Business Administration, the average salary, at least two years ago when I spoke at Harvard, the average salary before the pandemic of the average small business owner was $59,000 a year. Grab that for a moment. You're listening to this and you're probably like, well, man, I make more than that right now. Exactly my point. This is a hustle. And if you want to ever get to the point to where you're making more than that $59,000 a year, it's a grind. When I was talking with Chris, when we were filming this stuff at the, at the festival, I did like a three minute reel with him, right? You'll see it on social. I don't know if it's out by the time this episode's publishing or not, but I did like a three minute reel with him and I asked him about something specific. I asked him about a tipping point because here I am, me, 12 years later, and this was so ironic. I didn't know this when I was talking to him. It's so ironic because 12 years later is the year that I'm taking my company public, that this, my company is doing multiple seven digits, pushing eight digits a year in revenue, and we're going to break $100 million in revenue over the next two years with our acquisitions. There was a tipping point because ReachOut has been around for 12 years and go figure when I was talking to Chris that, you know what, he started 12 years ago. I had no idea that it was like around the same time. And I'm like, dude, let me ask you a question. Where was your tipping point? Because there's what I've seen with entrepreneurs that don't give up. And this is important because if you dive into this and you, you be like, oh, shoot, it's a year and a half into this, 18 months. And you know what? I'm not even making the $59,000 a year. You know what? That's what it takes. 
That's exactly what happens a year and a half into what I was doing. I wasn't making $59,000 a year. This is the straight truth. And I had, at that point, when I started Reach Out, my twins had just been born. So I was trying to feed a family of four on less than $59,000 a year. Along with all the diaper expenses and everything else. Can you even grasp that? Not unless you've been there. And today I'm looking to either motivate you or scare the shit out of you so that you run towards this, going after your dreams, or that you run away from it and saying, you know what, it's not for me because I don't think I can put in that kind of effort. I don't think I can put in that kind of hustle. Damon John says, I'm the, uh, I'm the overnight success that took 10 years to get there. This is the truth about this. And I'm asking Chris Gindo about his tipping point. He's like, it was probably like six to seven years into it is when things really started rolling. I'm like, yes, that was the same with me. And there were things that had to change in me, things that I'm sure had to change in him throughout those years. And it was really about mindset. And this is where I'm going to talk about the difference between a lifestyle business and building something bigger than yourself. A lifestyle business after six or seven years, I'm going to tell you, and same with him, it's like, I was doing pretty well. Personally, I was making more than that $59,000 a year. I was able to feed my now family of five. I was able to have nice cars. I was able to have a big house. I was able to run my money the right way so that I can move from property to property to get into the place. And people were like, oh my gosh, you're spending all this. It's like, no, I made smart moves because I went from a 2,500 square foot house to a 5,000 square foot house with the same exact mortgage payment down to a penny because I did some things the right way. And now that I'm able to afford these things and buy into like a Disney vacation club timeshare and do all these nice things, but I'm looking at this and it's like, this is a great lifestyle. And that's exactly my point is that it's a lifestyle. It took six or seven years to even get to that point. And in my industry, and I know probably in a lot of small businesses in my industry, this is where most like to stay. They're doing maybe around a million dollars in revenue, you know, in a services business and they're, they're bringing home like 120 K a year, something like that. That's a decent living, especially if you have a spouse that also works. That wasn't the case in my, in my days though, it was me as the sole breadwinner and you're able to provide a nice life for those you care about or for yourself. And I'm just going to say this straight up as I said it before that is okay. There is nothing wrong with that if that's what you want. I looked at an acquisition uh, a couple months ago and this dude had been making the same amount for the past 10 years, around $140,000, an MSP, a managed service provider, $140,000 a year for the last 10 years. And he was in his early 60s and I'm looking at this, I'm like, dude, I'm like, cause you know, 401ks don't put that much away. You know, if you're looking for a legit retirement, you know, sure, if you're paying yourself, you might have social security, but it's a little difficult to have any kind of decent investments at only $140,000 a year. And you're looking to get out of this and his business, he was looking for this to fund his retirement. His business was only worth $300,000. And he was in his early 60s. Do the math. Even if he lives another 20 years, 
That's not the level of income that he was accustomed to, obviously, because his business was only worth 300K. And that's what he ended up selling for to somebody else. It was too small for me to look at at the time, but he sold to somebody else for $300,000 a year when he had been used to making $140,000 a year. So what does that give him, like two years, two and a half years? It's because he had this lifestyle business. Because he just sat and I was like, oh, I can pay my mortgage, that's cool, I can have some food, well, the stuff that I did, you know, like I can have a decent house, I can put my kids through college if they're gonna go there, I can maybe help them with a small startup if they wanna get going, just like I did. You know, I look at that and it's like, that's, to me, that's not living. But again, if that's what you want, that's okay. But from my opinion, it is not worth, as I was talking before, the responsibility, the stress, the way you have to support a team and their salaries and all of these other things, if it's just going to be a lifestyle for you, it's not worth it to Rick Jordan. It could be worth it to you because I sat in that position about six years ago now. I was like, you know, this is okay. I could, I could handle this for the next 10 years, but then I'm like, do I want to just handle this? Do I want to just give a decent income to a couple of other people <laughs> and make sure that my bills are covered too? And as I thought more about this, because I had just come out of a, an extreme weight loss from being overweight, I was starting to get my mindset right, focusing, this is the, the irony of this, right? Because I was focusing more on me and improving me, the way that I looked, the way that I felt, the way that I thought, the way that I f looked at things around me, my perspective on life, my, my viewpoints on business, my, my viewpoints on where I wanted to go and what I wanted to accomplish. And as I focused more on me, is when I started to be able to realize that I had a greater love for other people and a desire to push past the lifestyle business and move into something that was bigger than me. Now, this was six years ago. And this is the position where most managed service providers, most MSPs stop. Done. I see it all the time. I'm acquiring 50 to 70 over the next two years, and these are the types of businesses. And this is one reason why I'm doing this. Yes, it's to eliminate fragmentation in the industry. That's one of them. The second is to allow a good place because most technicians, most people that work for a managed service providers, I see it right now with one I'm acquiring, they're only making $60,000 a year as like a level three engineer. I'm like, are you kidding me? Come on. It's awesome because this one, they're going to be able to come on board and it's like they're going to get a pay raise right away because they're valued. They're worth more than that. But this is because it's the owner as a lifestyle business and all that, it was like this siloed area of like, this is all I want, but I know I need people to help me accomplish at least this lifestyle that I have. But beyond that, I don't care because this is fine. And again, it is fine. It is okay if that's what you want. As I bring these businesses into the fold, these other managed service providers, I'm excited because it's going to give a lot of people a good home. Now, some of the previous owners, they are good with that lifestyle business and they're looking to check out. They're looking to move on to something else or move into their sunset years and that's okay too. But for me, when I was in that position six years ago and for Chris Gindo, 
of Gindo's Spice of Life, that's not what they want. He's still pushing forward. He's still modifying his business models. He's still trying to figure out ways to make this bigger than himself so that he can impact even more and more and more people as the hospitality industry is coming back, as the events are coming back, as the festivals are coming back, as these f just live events are coming back into place to where he can be like, I'm ready to get out and blow this thing up because now he can instantly double his freaking revenue this year because he not only built this one revenue stream last year to overcome the pandemic and was 8% up in revenue via the previous year, now he can bring back his previous revenue stream because these events and festivals and, and everything are just back and he can add that back in, restaurants are back, he can add that back in, he's gonna double his revenue this year. And he's like, his first thought is not, Woo, I'm gonna buy a nice car. I'm gonna buy a nice house. That's not what he's doing. He's like, I can reinvest this and this was the key. This was the exact key that I did in order to move past the lifestyle business into something that can be bigger than me. Is I started saying, you know what? There's these extra dollars coming in. It's not gonna come to me. I'm going to reinvest these back into the business. I'm gonna get better tools. I'm gonna to become more efficient. I'm gonna hire coaches so that they can teach me their ways and how they leveled up these couple notches. And I went through several coaches because each one of them had this area that they were specialized in and that knew something about one thing. So I would grab their knowledge, soak it up like a sponge and then implement that. And that took money to do that. That's where that extra money went. Then it was another coach. I'm like, okay, I can grab this concept and then I can implement it and then I can spend more more money and put that in and apply it to the business. That took money too, not going into my pocket, but going back into the business. That was six years ago is when I transitioned, made the decision to transition from a lifestyle business into building something better than myself and decided that I am more than just me. I am those that are around me. I am for more people than just me. And I will build something that will impact millions. Why? Because I can. It's not because I needed to, not because I had to, because I was sitting pretty. It's because I recognized that this responsibility, this weight that's on my shoulders, if I'm going to not wanna make just $59,000 a year, if I wanna actually make more money myself, then I need to build people around me and I need to invest in the business and invest back in them and transition from this idea of a lifestyle business, which is a grind to even get there. But again, that's where most people will stop because why it's comfortable comfortability sucks because it's an illusion of comfort when you have a lifestyle business in my opinion it's the illusion of being set up because i see these owners when they're in their 60s and they've got nothing except a couple hundred thousand dollars that's going to last them through the next two to five years and then what are they going to do live off of social security and poverty. It's okay if you wanna get there because like one acquisition that I have had a lifestyle business and now he's shifting into something else. The dude wants to be a dentist. He's shifting careers, he's also only 39. If that's what you wanna do, go for it because again, a lifestyle business is okay. 
but I'm going to challenge you today that it's only okay for a finite, a limited amount of time. At some point, you're gonna have to decide, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna transition into caring more about bigger things that take more people than me, something that is bigger than me that can actually pull me along because of the momentum I've already built? Or do I just wanna sit here and be comfy and then just roll through the next 20 years of my life until eventually I sell? And during that time, I might struggle. And at least in my industry right now, I'm predicting that a third of our managed service provider friends, a third of the 142,000 are gonna be gone within the next two to five years. And those are gonna be the ones that had the freaking lifestyle business because they didn't evolve and they didn't push forward. They just got comfortable. And now they don't do what I did in order to transition from a lifestyle business into something bigger than me and reinvest back in the business to provide new services, new technologies, new products, new ways of adding more customers. It takes money and reinvestment to move from a lifestyle business into something that's bigger than yourself. And who knows when this next mile stone is going to be because now I've got a philanthropic heart. And this is why I'm coming to you today. And I hope that you hear this is that I want you to be more because when I recognize that I am more is when I started looking inward into myself and moving past my own insecurities, moving past my own ideas of what being comfortable and being successful was, and started looking even outside my industry at what other people were doing, because in my industry, it's the majority that will stop at that lifestyle business. They're making a good living, and then they're done. In the managed service provider industry, there is a consolidation that's happening right now. It's been talked about for years. Go figure, because now big events are putting on M&A days, like Kaseya, they're putting on events and pre-days or events as a whole from some people that are based on mergers and acquisitions because a lot of the ones that have had this lifestyle business that have stayed in that typical spot for a managed service provider making between five hundred dollars to $700,000 a year in revenue, which is where most stagnate because, hey, the owner is comfortable because they can finally pay their bills. They put in their hustle originally where they were like me, like I was like them, and were crawling under the desk, getting dirty, going in server closets at the beginning. They got to a point to where they were comfortable, could pay their bills and be like, cool, I'm good. 